Hello and welcome to Diminishing Returns. We are doing yet another James Bond episode this week. It's Live and Let Die. Without further ado... And Saul? Oh, we're going with that. Hi. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and I'm Calvin. And that voice you just heard was Roger Moore, because we are now in the Roger Moore era of the James Bond series. Yay! Um, (laughs) I I honestly couldn't be happier to be here today talking about... Roger Moore James Bond films, because when I uh, first was pushing Saul to watch the James Bond film series, uh, the ones that I was most interested in hearing his opinions about were the Roger Moore era ones. Mm. Um, Him being my personal favourite, 007, and uh, also one of the more uh, controversial ones. Ever since he died, it seems to be cool now to sort of talk about how much you love him, but I loved him when he was alive, so... (laughs) Live and let die. Just so everyone knows that. <laughs> um, so he died about three months ago. So has that been a, a recent <laughs> development? It was a year. <laughs> was it? No, it wasn't. It was definitely within the. It was definitely after April last year. I know that much. Oh, it was May. It was May. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I guess following on from our last. Bond episode, which was Diamonds Are Forever, starring Sean Connery. Uh, Connery only came back for the one film, and they paid him an astonishing million dollars. Uh, One million dollars. Yeah, but then after that, they immediately had to go and find a new 007, and they ended up with Roger Moore, who they previously courted for both uh, On a Majesty's Secret Service and Diamonds Are Forever, if you'll believe the producers, but I'm not entirely sure I believe that. It seems to be that every time they have a new Bond, they're always sort of like, oh yes, well, of course we wanted to use Roger previously, but he was just not available. And then they say the same thing about Timothy Dalton and Pierce Brosnan, so... I, I would take that with a bit of a pinch of salt. Yeah. Um, Is it true Roger Moore was getting paid £500 a week? <laughs> uh, no? I don't even so, get it. Neither do I, really. Uh, is that a reference to his autobiography? Well, his autobiography is called They Only Paid Me £500 a Week. <laughs> well, he certainly likes to talk about how much money he's earning in the um, autobiography. Oh, uh, does he? <laughs> But yeah, so that brings us to Live and Let Die. Uh, had you, either of you two seen the film before uh, before this? I'm guessing so. Yeah. It's one of the more popular double. I don't know. Films. It's like all the other Bond films. I don't know which ones I've seen, which ones I haven't. They're all just meld into one. I think this one has a very distinctive mm. feel with all the voodoo stuff. and. Yeah, um, I, I think this is the first... James Bond film that feels like it does have a, a distinct flavour added to the mix. I think the next few Roger Moore films are all very much like this in that they each take on something of a theme. I think the next one takes on Kung Fu elements and then Spy Loved Me is very water-based, I guess because Jaws was popular at the time and then Moonraker obviously because of Star Wars, they went to space. Uh, but yeah, this is the voodoo slash. Is it is it black exploitation? Is it even near being that? No, not really. It's got black people in it. Does that count? 
Is that all? You, <laughs> is that all you need? Well, it was, it's from the era of black exploitation, isn't it? Yeah, but it's not um, embracing the elements of it. They spend a lot of time in Harlem. They spend uh, about five minutes in Harlem, and then nobody does like someone with like a a red velvet suit and a pimp hat sort of like <laughs> slapping people around. That would be black exploitation. <laughs> but I can I could We're buy not far the. Off. <laughs> I could believe that um, one of the producers had been to see like sweet, Superfly. sweet. What's it called? Sweet, sweet, sweetback's badass song. Yeah, or uh, Blackula or something, and had gone. Yeah, yeah, let's do that. And this was the sort of white man version of one of those films. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. That seems more likely. Yeah. yeah so I, I guess to cover the plot quickly, or should should we go through it? Um, how how are your notes structured? How would you like to do this? <laughs> <laughs> I guess you have no notes. I've I have lots of notes. Um I I obtained a jazz cigarette because of a date a jazz I went on cigarette. recently. <laughs> and I thought I'd try the thing where you watch a film <laughs> after one. What is a jazz cigarette? A, uh an an illegal drug substance. <gasps> I'm going to tell your mother about this. <laughs> I, I went on a date and mm. I had to pick up from her dealer before I got there because <laughs> she she needed to get high. That was the, right? that was the arrangement. It was a whole thing. <laughs> so you you gave a woman drugs for sex. <laughs> Is that what you? She paid me back for him in sex. Uh no. <laughs> okay. You know what? This is the one with the cat sat on me, so I couldn't do anything. <laughs> anyway. It's a thing you do, isn't it? You get high and then you watch Yellow Submarine or something. And I thought... Oh my god, you watch Live and Let Die. I thought this film's really boring. Maybe I can make it more interesting on the rewatch. Right. (laughs) I just see Souls there smoking like some basil. (laughs) 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 Oh man, this is really... Whoa, yeah, man. Voodoo. Whoa. (laughs) But yeah, my my notes are... um, they're plentiful. <laughs> okay. Can I just read my notes and you sort of try to piece together a structure of what's happening based on what I've written down? Because I, oh I don't... God. <laughs> well, my first note is okay. death tone. What they blow his ears up? <laughs> so oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The because they the uh, death by what? The, the pre the pre credit <laughs> sequences we see a load of um, British officials, MI six people, and whatnot being killed. In creative ways, and one of them is at a UN meeting, and for some reason um, gets his translation headpiece unplugged and plugged into some other device, which sends ringing into his ears, which kills him. Is that the idea? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. So nothing nothing screwy so far. Um, The second... um, murder that we see is there's a man stood outside a restaurant slash bar and that's actually one of my favorite bits in the film where uh he sees a funeral procession going by and he asks the guy next to him whose funeral is it yours and then stabs him and then the yeah, coffin comes yeah. over yeah. didn't that seem like him. an extremely elaborate way to kill someone <laughs> uh, <laughs> yes, to set up a whole, a whole fake funeral procession that just he just happens to be loitering nearby <laughs> i was gonna say the timing's all perfect we're on film eight of this Bond series, like, we're only talking about <laughs> over-elaborate death sequences now. <laughs> but no, then they... not. We've spoken about it in every episode <laughs> we've done. <laughs> but this one seems particularly unnecessary, as someone could have just walked up to him, stabbed him, and then 
got a couple of mates to drag the body off in a car or something, if that's what they do. But instead they drop a, <laughs> a bottomless coffin over him, which then magically sucks him up. <laughs> so I don't know how that's supposed to work. How, how does the coffin pick him up? Magnets. <laughs> I mean, My, we do I'm see sure magnets doing things they're not capable of in this film, so I guess that's that's perfectly right. <laughs> <laughs> um, My notes suggest I was particularly affected by this sequence, because they are, <laughs> holy shit, that's a scary slow man. <laughs> that guy is like black Henry Kissinger, stabs him. Uh, then I've written, they're dancing shit done the street fuck. For yeah. fuck's sake. You're the worst high person. <laughs> Just shit. They were scary, man. Okay, now at least Kevin Smith gets high and like writes films, entire scripts in about four hours. And yeah, but that's because he's always high all the time and he's learned to like cope with it. You're not someone who gets high on a regular basis, are you? So did this affect no. you particularly strongly? No, it barely affects me at all, actually. Like, I have to hit it really hard to get any sort of effect. But That's like me with women. <laughs> but I've also found that like watching stuff is like really... I don't want to watch things when I'm like that, because you can't follow it at all. <laughs> really? Surprise me. <laughs> but that's why people always watch Yellow Submarine and Blue Planet and shit with like no plot. Oh, you should watch 2001, see if it's watchable if you're high. Maybe, yeah. It's very. The other thing, though, is that it it makes time take ages as well. And well, so don't watch two thousand one. Good if you're watching two thousand and one. Yeah, yeah. Watch Crank. Ooh. <laughs> um, I've got another. I've got another note here. Oh yeah. Um, and there's a couple of lines I picked out because I just didn't understand what they meant. I hope Calvin might be able to explain them to me. Okay, okay. So here's the first one. Um, where Bond finds out that this other guy has died, and he's like, "Oh, I liked him." We shared the same bootmaker. Oh, right. Oh, were well, you talking about the actual scene where Bond is introduced? So yeah. we've uh, passed the main title sequence now. Yeah. Um, yes. What does that mean? We shared the same bootmaker. Is that a euphemism that I'm just not familiar with? Um, you know what? Does that I mean don't he, actually they shared know. The same woman or something. That line did stick out to me very much on this watching. I've never actually looked into it because Bond says it, and then M gives him a kind of look. And I don't know if it's just, what an odd thing to say that he's thinking, or if it's like, if it is a euphemism for something else. Of course, Bond is trying to distract him at this point, because he's got a lady in the flat, uh, <laughs> who's hiding around yeah. um, and it's, in cupboards. I guess, I guess we have to mention that uh, it's a new Bond. Yes, which is what I want to talk about. I want to talk about his introduction, because I find it quite interesting when you compare it to both Connery and George Lazenby, who are both sort of introduced, like, with, you know, with close-ups of the hands, and, you you know, you face in shadow, and all that kind of thing. Um, and Connery is, of course, in a casino, gambling, and being very suave and cool, and smoking a cigarette. George Lazenby is, you know, rushing into the ocean to save a woman who's suicidal. And Roger Moore is in bed with a lady and then hiding her from his boss. Yeah. And it, 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 I, mean, I don't know if maybe this was partly in reaction to um, how George Lazenby was introduced, which was very elaborate and all that. Whereas Roger Moore, it's kind of, the camera's on him and they just kind of carry on with it as if it's yeah. nothing new, really. I guess they don't wanna, you don't want to draw attention to it, do you? Just like, okay, look, we've moved on, new guy. It probably was the smart thing to do. And but in even future films, they will make you can tell when it's a a new Bond's first adventure. But this just very much plays as like right, yep, let's carry on with it, let's keep going. 
And I, I have to say, Roger Moore seems like a good fit here. I think my, my prevailing memory of Moore is perhaps the older Bond. Um, but here he's, what is he's only about 48 or something, so he's not he's not too old. And he, he, he make, makes a good fit, you know, he... He can do Bond. He's, he he looks like a Bond. You know? <laughs> I know that's kind of, but because we've just been watching Connery the whole time, I think those are big shoes to fill. But he, it, it mm. seems to fit, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And of course, he was the saint on TV, so he'd been playing a spy yeah. for a while. Um, I was going to ask yeah, you. So it, it, I was going to ask you about this actually, Calvin. It's a bit of a mm. broader question, but why did Bond achieve the greater success and longevity than these other things that were going on at the time, which were very sort of similar like the saints and they, they they did these film series of of things like what's michael kane one he did harry palmer was that it they did a few of them yeah 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 like yeah. why did this one capture the more imagination i guess from what i understand bond was the first if not one of the first to do it so are all the um, others are knockoffs basically uh, i wouldn't say necessarily knockoffs like the michael kane ones the harry palmer films are more um uh, gritty and realistic, I would say. They're, they're not the decadence that Bond is. Uh, you know what? I, I don't know. I suppose it's just interesting when something catches the public, you know, zeitgeist or whatever you want to call it, mm. and becomes huge. Um, obviously, Bond was based on a popular book series as well. It's sort of self-fulfilling, isn't it? We're talking about this one because it lasted. So, mm. It's, mm. yeah, so for whatever reason, if it's just luck or... Because it's certainly not quality of film, is it? <laughs> is what the point I'm trying to make? Like some of those, oh come come, some of now. those, some of those Connery films we watched are really, really poor. Um, yeah, but how are those Michael Caine films? I haven't yeah, seen those to yeah, compare exactly. them with. Well, well, they're a bit classier, I would say. Uh, well, what I'm leading to here actually is what I was going to ask is. Apart from obviously bringing in Roger Moore, was there a big shift between the last film and this one, or any big change? Or you know the backstory. Was there anything going on? Because basically, this film seems much more like a competently made film. It's yeah, the editing is so much smoother. There's, it doesn't feel like it's just been hacked together like in a rush. Um, it feels like there was a script there. Probably, I'm not saying I like the film. But I'm saying it felt more like a properly produced film rather than like a spaghetti western that has obviously been made with like $500 and had to be dubbed. <laughs> well, you'd be surprised to know it's all the same main crew. So the same producers, really? same director, same writer as Diamonds Are Forever. They just learn from the experience of making that hack job. Well, it's a lot of the same people that come back next time as well. So I'd be interested to see if... I think that's one of the... Quite interesting things about the Bond series, really, is that a lot of the films like maintain the same crew, like Doctor No from Russia with Love, Thunderball, all has more or less the same major players involved, and yet the quality is so vastly different. So it's um mm. it's just interesting. But then I think with Bond films, it's it's more about the elements at play and the cast involved, and you know obviously the situations they put him in. Yeah. So yeah. Okay, so let's move into the plot a little bit. Can I can I rattle off my last few notes then? Because I don't think they're going to touch on anything here. <laughs> okay. Oh, <laughs> is right. this last few overall or just for the opening sequence? Well, base I gave up about halfway through the film because I wasn't following oh. it. So this is the first half of my notes. So this is... Uh, I don't understand where are the naked women and a man with a gun. Oh, there they are. Hands. 
uh, fuck me hands, picking pineapples, what's going on, this is boring and I'm out of it, kebabs here, I ordered some food, um, <laughs> and then helicopter. So that was that was my experience Helico- of the first half of I the mean- film. I suspect you watched a different film. (laughs) (laughs) Hmm. Is there not a bit where someone's picking a pineapple or something? No. There must be. No, there's no helicopter. There there is, (laughs) over the poppy fields. Yeah. But that's quite later on, so I don't know. Well, that's where I got up to. Oh, okay. Um, Well, yeah, so the plot is uh, sort of set up here. Bond is sent to investigate the deaths of um, the people that we see, the United Nations guy... um, the funeral one, and then there's another guy killed on a Caribbean island. So he's sent to uh, New York to investigate. Well, like, makes sense. Just send him somewhere. Uh, this is a bit of a trope of the Roger Moore films. In fact, it's a trope of Bond films in general. It's just like, if anything has happened in a certain area, just send him there, and trouble will often just find him, rather than he actually does any investigating and gets into trouble. But what they're doing is he teams up with Felix Leiter and they basically they're watching uh, Yafet Koto, who Kananga. who is the he's the president of San Monique. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Um, and he's obviously up to something because he sneaks out the back door. Yeah. Well, um, should we talk a little bit about Yafet Koto? He is the the main villain of the film, and we've covered him before. The actor in Alien. Yeah. Um, one of my favorite Bond villains. I really like him. I liked him in one scene. Oh? Is that the scene where he reveals that he's actually been going dual identity <laughs> no. as Kananga and Mr. Big? <laughs> no, oh, no, right. No. Okay. Uh, after that, when he has them strapped up to a thing and he's got some sharks in a tank. <laughs> oh, right, yeah. That scene yeah. He, where he's sort of relishing it and he's being a proper Bond villain, like, ah, oh, Mr. Bond, I expect you to die! That kind of acting. I like him in all that. Yeah. He does that very well. But in the mm. earlier bit when we see him... I don't know, it just seems very subdued. You can't really tell what he's saying because like, he's got a really big tongue or something. He doesn't really speak very well. Yeah. Um, and then when he's playing the other character, which <laughs> my note my note I made was, ooh, that's a realistic looking face. Um, <laughs> that... well, I was going to ask, did you know it was him from the start? Him as Mr. Big and Dr. Kananga? Um, I did, but I think I might have known. Do you know what I mean? I think I might have just known. But yeah, the problem is that... That double identity thing is not really relevant. It doesn't go anywhere. It's never really explained. It's just put in so that he can do this cool reveal where he pulls his nose off. And mm, the only mm. really time you see him before that is one quick scene where he comes out uh, and you just see him for a few seconds. Mm, and mm. Uh, so that's not enough setup to establish it as so that when it comes out, it's like, oh my God, I never would have put that together. What a twist. You're just going, yeah, they, sorry, who's that? I can't, is that Mr. Big? Was that the person they yeah. were talking about earlier? I completely agree. We don't spend enough time with Mr. Big to ever think of him as, uh, like, to be honest, I forget about that side of the uh, story completely because I just think of, oh yeah, Kananga's the villain. He's the one we spend most time with and he's yeah, the exactly. one on the phone to people being like, yep, kill him. Come on, get, get on with it. But even, but even this whole scene where Roger Moore turns up, uh, he, he tries to follow him and then is immediately noticed. And it's like the, he's the worst mm. spy ever. He's like, the, <laughs> his, and so he immediately gets caught and put into a difficult situation. Mm. But that whole scene where he's, he's following them into Harlem and we just keep seeing people like checking in going, oh, he's just past uh, so-and-so street. 
And there's like mm. a shoe shine guy, and he's just shining shoes. Then he pulls a radio out. Like he's just there every day, all day, just in case someone comes past. <laughs> he has to notify anyone. Um, and then it turns out that the taxi driver who's driving him is on their team anyway. So the rest mm. of it is completely pointless. They know exactly where he is. And <laughs> it's just all this stuff that's so needlessly like they they're desperately trying to make it look more complicated than it is or more interesting mm. than it is. I just don't get it. Why why don't they just write a good script? <laughs> it's not as fun though, is it? <laughs> Could be. Um, should we talk a bit about cuz like uh, just that sequence you were talking about Alan like pretty much everyone, almost everyone who is black in the film is a villain or is part of this villainous organization scheme. Apart from two, there's a CIA agent and uh Quarrel Jr who we get to later on. Um yeah, because, I mean, I've read the book. This is one where I read the book many years ago, and there's a lot of racist language used in the book by Bond himself. Uh, this one stays away from all that, so I think it's aged better than it could have under the circumstances. Yeah, yeah definitely. Obviously, I, I, I noticed, but the fact that the villains are all based on this Caribbean island or whatever it's supposed to be, like, they're all black, that's fair enough. If it was set in mm. China, they'd be Chinese. Yeah. Or Chigros or whatever. Um, and then... And then if it was... Uh, but yeah, so, like, that's fair enough. The fact that he goes to America and he goes to Harlem and they're all there and there's this double identity of the guys, like the Mr. Big. I, I don't really know how any of that tied in. So mm. it all seems a bit incongruous regardless. And the race element is just sort of an afterthought. <laughs> it's just yeah. like, oh, well, we've got some black people. Let's put it in Harlem, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't, yeah. No, yeah I mean, none of I, it makes any sense, but it just seemed like bad writing rather than racist writing. No. I mean, if you want to talk about racism, then, you know, the, the cultural ideas of what, like, Caribbean islands are <laughs> is probably a better bet. <laughs> hmm. um, should we talk about Solitaire here, the Bond girl? She's introduced as one of Dr. Kananga's uh, assistants. She is a uh, a psychic and a tarot card reader. She's played by a very young Jane Seymour. Um, so, what do we? How do we feel about her? And in a broader context, how do we feel about the use of tarot and this kind of voodoo black magic in the Bond universe? Well, definitely the the concept seems to be that she completely believes it. She's not a scam artist who's got in over her head. Mm. Um, so she's believing what she's doing and Kananga does as well maybe mm. <laughs> I think he does I, I I think he does and he keeps her around to to find out <clears throat> what's going to happen I, I don't know how relevant it is and then the voodoo stuff is just played for kind of theatrics really rather than any real plot relevance I don't know. It didn't feel like they were using it as a theme. It just felt like they were sticking it on. <laughs> it's like, yeah, well, I don't know what they were trying to do with it. I think they they sort of play it safe because it could be interpreted either way. Uh, I mean, my takeaway is obviously that she, because I don't believe in psychics or anything like that, that she just believes that she has these powers and Kananga also believes that. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't think she's actually... Because everything that she says as well is just so vague. It's like when Bond's coming over on a plane, it's like, 
you know, he comes, he brings destruction and violence, and it could be anyone. Like, well, she also said he comes over the sea. It was like, well, he's in a plane. Mm. Like that, if you, if you say he comes over the sea, you, you think ship. <laughs> like, mm. Mm. I mean, she, she, she certainly seems like she can act and has um, her own voice, which is um, pretty good <laughs> by Bond girl standards, but um, it, yeah, she doesn't. Yeah, she's she's definitely one of the better ones, just on the basis that she's, they seem to have cast an actor rather than a model. I feel bad for the character when Bond cheats her into having sex with her in a very childish way. He stacks mm. the tarot card deck with a load of lover's cards, and because she believes in it so much, she believes that the tarot cards are telling her to have sex with him. That's not um, even what tarot cards do, though. Like, that's <laughs> yeah, telling yeah. her that she's going to do it. I do love the scene, like, after they've, like, because they, they kiss and you see that the deck of cards is full of lover cards and then th- there's a cut and they've already done the deed and they're in bed and it's just, they're both just sat very awkwardly, like, <laughs> on their backs, like, on opposite sides of the bed and it's just so, or- I think there are quite a few awkward Roger Moore moments well, in this one. Well, I made a note around this scene, uh, I put, Roger Moore seems a lot more creepy and kind of rapey than Sean Connery. <laughs> and, mm, I think that's because yeah. he he does a lot of kind of tender things like lots of nice kissing and saying nice things. Mm. Uh, whereas Connery would just be like bend over love and I'm I'm having my way with you. <laughs> and it's kind of brutal, but there's an honesty to it. Whereas Roger Moore seems a bit more insidious and creepy with his mm. uh, seductiveness, mm. um, and I think that's a big difference. Yeah, because you know they don't mm. mean anything to him because he's still yeah. like yeah yeah sleeping with hundreds of people per like. Adventure. This is this is the difference. It's Connery. Connery is a man, where Roger Moore is manipulative, and it, that's mm. a very distinct difference. And I think it's why Connery gets away with a lot of the things. When we we've, we've mentioned it in the previous episodes, though, it's misogynistic and blah blah blah. Mm. But you do get away with it because of the Connery charm. I'm not sure Moore really has that. He's more of a creepy charm. <laughs> They do eventually write around that by Moore's third film, but the next one has some even more egregious examples of this, I think. But here, I, I completely agree, and there's a scene where um, there's this double agent in the film, Rosie Carver, uh, who says she's a CIA agent, she's not, she's actually working for Kananga, and Bond figures this out. And there's a scene where he's just had sex with her, and they're lying on this picnic blanket, and he picks up his gun and he just like points at her and says, I'll kill you if you don't tell me what you're up to. And it's just the look on his face is so just like that he would have sex with her before doing that as well. <laughs> Roger Moore doing that just seems creepy and weird. Whereas Connery, I probably, I don't know if I'd bat an eyelid. Mm, uh, yeah, it's exactly. just weird how I, cause I think at this point they're probably still writing Bond as if it's Connery, yeah. and Moore's trying to put his own spin on some of it because yeah. he can't. He's he said that he was always uncomfortable with these kind of um, violent with women scenes, and they certainly don't give him as many after the next film. Got uh, I've got another line here. It's when Rosie Carver is that her name? Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's on a boat. The She's on a boat with the person who turns out to be Quarrel. She doesn't know that. She finds a gun, she comes out, and then it's all a big misunderstanding. I know which line this is going to be. He says, this is Quarrel. He goes, meet the man who shares my hairbrush. I knew it was that, yeah. Is that a euphemism? Again, I don't really know. Um, (laughs) I I, Do you not share hairbrushes with your close friends, Alan? (laughs) 
No. Do you, do you have no. a hairbrush? I'm missing out. No. <laughs> so what does that mean? Any ideas? Let us know on the uh, Facebook group. Send a postcard in with your answers. Around the point of the whole Rosie Carver and sleeping with solitaire and all that kind of stuff, we get uh, one of the major action sequences in the film in which Bond drives a double-decker bus. Mm. Um, Any any thoughts on that? It's uh, one of the more inventive car chase action scenes, I think. Is it? Because I made a note about this time saying the action sequences so far have been quite lacklustre. A very oh. very just sort of basic car chase stuff, and to be oh, to be I fair, really like after it. I made that point, it got a bit more like that second half of the film was a lot more kind of actiony. Yeah, um, yeah. Which mm. also I lost interest in, so it didn't that oh, th- that wasn't a, be- a benefit to me. Um, How can you lose interest when Bond is driving a, a plane around with Mrs. <laughs> Bell in the in the uh, side uh, in the shotgun seat? I have made a note here that just says throw a car at an aeroplane. <laughs> that is really what that is, isn't yeah. it? In that sequence, it's uh, there's no reason why the car would make that movement. It's not even like Bond threw anything on the windscreen or anything. It just drives up against the plane, and that's it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I'm having a lot of fun. I think this is one of my uh, favorite Bond films. Actually, I think there's uh, lots of fun to be had here. Case in point. Um, Crocodile Farm. This this is interesting, because I I looked it up, and this is, I think, the lowest rated one on Rotten Tomatoes out of all the Bond films so far. Can't? No, I mean, I I think you're actually wrong. It can't be. (laughs) No, 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 out of all the ones from Doctor No up until... Oh, right. Oh, okay, then. Oh, interesting. Which Hmm, I found really weird, and I don't know if it's just a sign of, like, fatigue... With the franchise mm. as a whole, or because not to play my cards, but I mean, it's not. It's obviously not the worst one so far. It's obviously better than you know mm. the previous one, for example. Mm. I think um, just by virtue of having Roger Moore in it turns off a lot of people. People just you know immediately think if yeah. Connery's in it, it must be a better. But then what about Lazenby? Yeah, good point. <laughs> Crocodile Farm. That's fun. That's a fun sequence. Yeah, this is actually a decent little scene, this one. It's fucking stupid. Um, <laughs> but it... what, what, what part of it is stupid, Sol? When, when he runs along the top of the crocodiles to escape? Yeah, the magnet pulling the boat along. Oh, the... I like I like that bit, because he, he has this magnetic watch set up earlier on, and he hasn't used it yet. Um, and oh, no, he, sees he, a he has used it. He uses it to pull down a lady's zipper on her dress. <laughs> oh yes, of course, <laughs> pointlessly. Yeah, which I was hoping he was like he was going to seductively like undo the zipper unnecessarily, and then he like pulls her fillings out. <laughs> 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 I like that this is one of the uh, instances where Bond tries to use a gadget and it actually doesn't work, and he needs to think of another way to get out of the situation. Yeah, it was alright. Because um, more often than not, they always work just straight away. There's always something nearby, and I, I just like that this one, the boat's already tied up to a tree or something, so... Um, we haven't mentioned uh, Teehee yet, who's Kananga's main henchman, with a... <laughs> I, the, uh, I didn't realise that his name was Teehee. <laughs> I hadn't put that together. Um, oh. <clears throat> yeah. He... They're setting him up as like, oh, we'll have the the sidekick with a weird thing, big robot arm. Mm. Uh, it, I don't know, it doesn't play really, does it? I don't know, somehow it just doesn't quite... 
I don't know. Do you think? Do you like it? Yeah, I like him very much. Uh, I think maybe cool. they needed to give him a bit more character. Yeah, he doesn't really do well. I think because um, you've also got Baron Samadhi, who is another. No, he's got henchman. a lot of character. Yeah. Also, doesn't really do anything of interest, but um, yeah. <laughs> at least he has character. He's just a, a a crazy sort of screen presence, and mm. he's not actually in that many scenes. But just his voice, how he acts, everything about him is just yeah, quite cool and mysterious. Yeah, because he's just some sort of like witch doctor, isn't he? And... Yeah, I almost don't even think of him as part of Kananga's group. It just feels like mm. he's almost like a separate entity. Yeah, and they uh... just like hire him in. Is he definitely part of the group? Because he. Well, he shows up at Kananga's place in uh, New Orleans, and he's uh, very much a part of the uh, sacrifice thing that they're putting on towards the end of the film. I I imagine that Kananga is like the brains of the operation, and Samadhi is just sort of like the local religious leader, if you will, of that island. Because there are quite a lot of people on that island of San Monique, and uh, when they've got the snake out and they're going to kill Jane Seymour, they all seem... Enraptured with him. When Sandy comes up out of the grave, then when they go back down, they fi- they see the workers like mm. you know mm. pulling levers and stuff. So yeah, yeah. they're obviously yeah. working together. So yeah, Kananga obviously just supports him as a, a keeps the keeps the people in check, doesn't it? With these little voodoo bits and pieces, but he does seem like a genuine like nut job <laughs> rather than he's, he's not just putting it on. Because when you see him yeah. just out with Kananga, he's still a bit mental. He's a yeah. he's a character from like voodoo lore, though he's he's part of the religion. So yeah, Baron Baron Samadhi. Samadhi. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. So it it's like I don't know how much of it's just representing the the voodoo thing. Like, obviously, it's not meant to be the Baron Samadhi. It's meant to be like some guy who's dressed up as and embodying him. I assume um, mm. as part of the voodoo on the island but it's um i don't know it's an interesting little element certainly do you uh do you know who i wish they made more out of uh, uh yes. Uh, yes well let me favorite. let me let me uh, instigate this because i i just made a note here that you know what i like in a film is when about three quarters of the way through <laughs> introduce an entirely new character and then spend about 20 minutes just following their tangential story for no good reason <laughs> That's what I like to do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's quite remarkable, isn't it? Of course, we're talking about Sheriff... Barry Pepper. J.W. Pepper. What uh, does J.W. stand for? G. Uh, Willikers. Never revealed. Uh. <laughs> John Wilkes. Wayne. John Wilkes Pepper. <laughs> yeah, so... Um, in the Bond escapes the crocodile farm on a speedboat, and uh, <laughs> I, I guess because we needed some comedy relief, we needed to extend the film by twenty minutes. Uh, we have this tangent that we go on with this southern sheriff, um, as he and his co-workers try to halt the boat chase. But we really do spend an awful lot of time with him, don't we? Yeah. It's not just like he, well, yeah, Bond is the focus of a scene and he's doing a funny thing, you know, to top it off at the end. It's like... Yeah, we, we're not following we're not following Bond. We're following the police trying to catch this speedboat. <laughs> that's, that's the yeah. story that we follow. The fact that Bond is in the speedboat is irrelevant. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um... Sol, how how did he, uh, this particular character fare with you? J.W. Pepper is 
a highlight of the franchise as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I, I really feel yeah. like this character should be like should be the racist one, like who's representing yeah. racism. And they just they they dance like go f- all in with it. Like they mm. they could make him a full on racist character and then but then go, oh, but he's the he's not a nice guy, and he gets his comeuppance at the end because he's like speedboat crashes his car or whatever, or like he gets covered in manure or something at the end. <laughs> and so you get your cake and eat it then because you get to do all the racial stuff that they're obviously mm. desperate to do, and uh, <laughs> and then like but blame it on the character. It's classic. The closest he sort of comes is. Uh... Well, I'm not quite sure what it means. What does he mean when he says, we've got a swamp full of black Russians? What does that mean? <laughs> I don't know. Um, is it because they're spies? I don't is, is it to do mm. Communists? Is it to do I with no. the drink? <laughs> like he's, like, not a clue. Yeah, it's the Cold War era, isn't it? My my favourite bit is when he's talking about how his brother-in-law has, like, the fastest boat in the bayou or whatever, and they're gonna, you know, uh, recruit him to help catch the other ones, and, uh, meanwhile, the brother-in-law is subdued, and one of the, uh, the black villains gets in the speedboat and drives off, and Sheriff JW sees the speedboat from afar, and he's, like, turning around to all of his mates and going, oh, this is my brother Billabar, he'll <laughs> catch him and all this kind of stuff. And then as the boat gets nearer, it becomes clear that it's a black man driving the boat, <laughs> and there's two of his younger officers just sort of stare at it and then look at each other and uh, go on after it. I do quite like that. Yeah. <laughs> and then there's, like, an oyster salesman <laughs> who causes traffic problems later on which is another strange tangent that we go on you know what i uh, i hated in this scene was the the joke at the end where the boat crashes and then it just lingers on this sign that said um make boating a fun sport three miles per hour please <laughs> you didn't like that? Oh, it's so badly just timed and worded and it it just like I know what they're going for, it's just done so badly. Cuz it's like it's oh. like a neon light flashing above it going punchline, punchline. Yeah. <laughs> and it lingers on it for like five times too long as well. It, oh, it's... <laughs> mm, something that did occur to me actually watching the film this time and it really has only been this time is just how it could be at least 20 minutes shorter. Oh, yeah. oh god, at yeah. least. Yeah. And you wouldn't really miss anything because yeah, my... there are just sequences that go on for just a bit too long. As much as I love this whole speedboating thing and love all the stuff with JW Pepper, I, you know, can see that it should be significantly shorter. I'm yeah. not quite sure you need a speedboat to go into a, like an old folk home pool and a speedboat to go through a wedding and a speedboat to, you know, there are only so many times you can make a gag out of a speedboat going somewhere where it shouldn't. <laughs> My my next note is boring again, so I agree with you. <laughs> Trim 20 minutes. Uh, you'd probably just rather the whole film was just this, wouldn't you? Just Sheriff J.W. Pepper chasing around a... Pretty much. A speedboat. And then just the bit yeah, I mean, at the I end mind where a guy gets blown up like a balloon. <laughs> <laughs> oh yes, because we go back to the Caribbean and Bond has to have his final showdown with the villains. Yeah, and don't you love um, it when you have to go back to the main villain uh, after he's been not on screen for about 45 minutes? <laughs> it has been a while, hasn't <laughs> Completely it? Completely forgotten um, that Kananga was a character in this film now. 
<laughs> and he's changed character. You mentioned it earlier on, Alan. Like, up until this point, he's been a quite a subdued, mm. softly spoken villain for the most part. He has a outburst at Solitaire. And really not that's had a it. lot to do, frankly. I, I'm not sure. Yeah, I have no idea what his villainous scheme was. It's just occurred to me that I have no idea what they, what he was doing, why they were trying to stop him. What? Well, he was, was producing heroin. Was he? He was, um, yes, producing heroin, because that's why he's got the poppy fields on his island. Mm. I hadn't registered his, any of that. And his intention was to make a specific kind of heroin and release it for free on the streets of New York. Well, that sounds like a good, and then... generous <laughs> thing to do. <laughs> and then when everyone was hooked on it, um, he'd, you know, because then he would immediately, you know, price out all of the other mobsters and all that, yeah. and then get people hooked on his drug and uh, increase the price. So basically, do what that is it, Martin, Martin Shkreli? Shkreli yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Basically, sort of um, get him hooked, and get jack something up the that's price. quite affordable, and then jack up the price by eight thousand percent. Nice. Yeah, I mean, Martin Shkreli did it with medication people were already on and required. I I think there's something to be said for a businessman who, who makes a product that's, like, really addictive free. If someone came out and said, like, look, this is this is this highly addictive drug. It's free <laughs> in shops. Go, go help yourself. Like your jazz pipe. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that highly addictive... Oh, I, need, I need another hit. <laughs> Whoa. Are you smoking it now? <laughs> <laughs> Whoa, dude! <laughs> yeah, so Kananga suddenly is now like a sort of bug-eyed villain who's like relishing the death of these people. And this is very, very classic Bond that we, has been parodied so much now that it's ridiculous. But, you know, dangling them over a tank full of sharks and explaining mm. his plot and saying... Uh, and mm. then, like, walking away and not not watching them die and stuff like that. All that kind mm, of classic mm. stuff. Uh, which they do in the crocodile pit as well. It's just like, hey, we'll just leave him here. Mm. We'll assume that oh, everything went well. <laughs> <clears throat> what annoys me about this um, instance is that Bond gets out of this by using the buzzsaw feature on his watch. Which is never mentioned now before. That, yeah, <laughs> that's, yeah, exactly. That was not set up earlier on. It was a magnetic watch, <laughs> which comes into use here when he, uh, he has a shark gun, and he uses the magnet to attract the bullet, um, which he uses in the climax. But yeah, there's no, there's been no buzzsaw. There's been nothing like that. So that's a, that's a cheat. Yeah. But the thing yeah. is, it's annoying when they set up the gadget at the beginning and go, well, this has got a buzzsaw feature. It might come in useful later. And then it's so like, okay, well, I'm, I'm waiting for that to be used. But mm. if you don't set it up at all, it just seems completely incongruous. Or you have to yeah. have it that He's always just pulling shit out of the bag and it's like, oh yeah, now it's like this toothpaste is, you know, an explosive or whatever. What um, about if <laughs> when he's shown the watch, the guy says, it's got a magnet in it and also, look at that button there. And then Bond goes, what does that button do? And he goes, ah, that's a surprise. And when, <laughs> when the time is right, you'll know you'll what know. to do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Mm. But yeah, and... Uh, I'd like to talk about the um, well, inflatable bullets. Are they? Is that is that what they are? Oh, yeah, for sharks. Um, right. So what are they? <laughs> They're um, compressed air capsules. Yeah. So I guess the uh, idea is that you shoot them into a shark, and then the shark blows up, 
and then that deters other sharks? Is that how it works? Is it's that a, a real thing? It's a warning to other sharks. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, because Bond shoves it in Kananga's mouth. Yeah, he doesn't even shoot him with it. He just puts it in his mouth. <laughs> yeah, and then I guess he swallows it, bites down onto it. Like, what activates it? Because it was in Bond's mouth previously. Yeah. Um... <laughs> And then, yeah, he, he like, inflates like a balloon yeah. and explodes. You, you know what I was saying about how in Evil Dead this would, like, make <laughs> sense? <laughs> yep, yep. It, it feels it's out of place here, doesn't it? elaborate villain deaths. Um, it's, it's very... It's really not a good death. It, it, it looks silly. And I suspect it didn't look as good as they wanted it to because yeah. you kind of see it for about three seconds and they go, oh, yeah, it's dead. Well, there seems to be some kind of artificial zooming on yeah. the yeah. on the film. For some reason, it goes all grainy and uh, lower resolution. So I guess it probably probably did it, and we're like, "Oh god, oh, this shit. looks terrible." So then they, yeah, inflatable Yafet Koto doesn't actually look very realistic. <laughs> but how could they have written that and not like? How could they get to set without thinking? You know what? This might look a bit silly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I think it's a great villain's death. Uh, it's one of my favourites. <laughs> I think it's hilarious. Oh, okay. But no. I mean, but, but there's I, no I, difference I, I, between I that death and like how someone might die in Austin Powers. <laughs> like, there's no. Yeah, no, that's there's true. Actually, no there's a very fine line, line between the two here. It's just gone. So yeah, and then we have a bit of a coda on the end where Tihi comes again, back way too long with for him. a little coda. Yeah. They should have done the end like the Winton Kid thing, isn't it? Put this on, no, like, we have the we have the Baron yeah. Sandy bit as well. Oh yes, Bond kicks him into uh, a coffin of snakes. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> oh, that's so a bit where fucking he kind lame. Of, I forgot about that. He appears. <laughs> he appears out of the ground. Bond shoots him in the head, and his head like breaks up like clay, and then it turns mm. out it wasn't him, <laughs> or something. Mm. And this is a, yeah, yeah, yeah. This yeah. is the first we actually get a sense that Baron Sandy might actually be magic. Like, <laughs> well, no. I mean, I guess they just have a decoy. But no, they don't. They um, distinctly show him like opening his eyes and stuff. Well, yeah, it's a, it's, it's just like a doll. Like you know how like a doll's eyes would move depending on like uh, you know the water involved or something. So when Bond shoots the head, I guess that just mm. destroys a mechanism or something. And uh, yeah, it's, it's like a clay decoy. Yeah. Um, and then the real Samadhi comes up. The only thing that um could be seen as evidence of magic is that Baron Samadhi is apparently alive and sat on the front of the train <laughs> laughing at the audience at the very end of the yeah. film. Yeah, just a completely meaningless little add-on that it reduces what you've already seen to nonsense. I uh, mean, again, it was one of my favourite moments of a cheap, in the film. What is it, it a gag? I don't know what it's supposed to mean, yeah. Just an, absolutely no thought put into this whatsoever. <laughs> you know what really annoyed me with this end bit was... When uh, the guy says to Bond, what the hell can you do on a train for 16 hours? And he looks at him like, <laughs> you sad little man. It's like, <laughs> as, if, as if Bond lasts more than 30 seconds. <laughs> he, he doesn't come across like Sting or anything, does he? he Bond's the most like Sting. conventional man in the world. He'll pump away for 30 seconds, go to sleep. <laughs> yeah. Uh. So yeah, then we're on the train. We have the bit with Tee-hee. and 
Yeah, just a stupid fight sequence. And again, just to make it clear that they don't care at all, we have the fact that Solitaire just gets sort of folded into a wall and can't hear anything. And when doesn't she comes even like out, push the the yeah. thing open again. Doesn't say like what the fuck you twat when he opens it up. <laughs> yeah. Again. yeah, and she doesn't go. Why is that door been smashed in? Why is the window <laughs> smashed open and air is rushing in and making a horrible noise? What's that metal arm doing? <laughs> Why is clamped to the window sill? <laughs> what is it she actually says? It's just something like, "Oh, Bond, that, that wasn't very rude. funny." Yeah. 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 Just absolutely no attempt to create any sense of reality at all. So uh, it does take a sort of special kind of psychopath to throw someone out of a window and then immediately get an erection. (laughs) (laughs) Not in a day's work for 007. I guess that's what makes him uh, the best. Uh, but was this film the best? <laughs> uh, shall we Shall we do ratings? It was the Is best that... Roger Moore Bond so far. <laughs> <laughs> uh, better than Diamonds Are Forever, at least, Alan. Come on. Uh, well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, um, shall uh, Shall we rate? Uh, yeah. Um, it's a. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna go nine. It's nine from me. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> I think this film is a lot of fun. I have I have a great time watching it. Okay. I didn't feel that way. <laughs> mm. I gave it a five. Mm. Um, I think that this is it's one of the better Bond films. I I think it stands above most of them so far. To be honest, um, mm. I'd only point to Doctor No being any better actually. Doctor No is a decent film. Huh. But then Goldfinger's okay, objectively. Goldfinger's the good one. Is it? <laughs> um, so, I mean, those two are probably better. But I think this is pretty solidly in third place behind those two. Hmm. Ah, and I give it a six. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's nice. <laughs> it's It's got some nice moments. It's like, bits of it work. Hmm. James Bond will return in The Man with the Golden Gun, as the end credits say, but uh, if we were to make a no, sequel no, no, to the no. film... Oh. I've done a game. Oh! oh. I forgot about this. This isn't anything to do with, like, Live and Let Die specifically, and there's no real reason for it or anything. I just thought it'd be fun. <laughs> okay. Oh. Um, <laughs> find a way to tie it in, at least to make it... Look well, it's like Bond-related. Oh, well, that's all right. That's, that's oh, well, stuff. then, that, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, basically, I translated the names of the James Bond movies into, like, another language and then into another language, and I did that, like, 30 times until they came back as gibberish. And <laughs> okay. I'm going to tell you, I'm going to read out these names of films, and you have to see if you can figure out what um, what the the original Bond film name is. Does that make sense? One of the more obscure quizzes we've had. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Alright. So, live and go. Live and let die. Live and let die. Yeah. That that was a nice easy one to start with. I'm pitting you against each other. So, Alan, you're winning there. (laughs) What? (laughs) Alright. We said that exactly the same time. (laughs) Golden apples. Golden eye? Yes. Go- oh. <laughs> I gave her the gold. 
Goldfinger. Goldfinger? It is Goldfinger. Mm, you can give that one to Alan. <laughs> Double Life. Ooh. Uh, you Only Live Twice. It is You Only Live Twice. Ah, damn it. I Want to Die Tomorrow. Live another, another day. Oh, I said live another day. Shit. <laughs> oh, no, wait. It's Tomorrow Never Dies. It is Tomorrow Never Dies. <laughs> oh, the Next Balloon. Ooh. Yafet Koto Balloon. <laughs> this one also <laughs> came back balloon. as The Air Trap. No? Skyfall. Oof. It is Skyfall. Uh, well done. Yeah. Sky well, that's air. a good one. Yeah. Yeah. There are no English classes, illness, and culture. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> Say that again. Quantum of Solace? No. <laughs> no. Say, that, say that again. There are no English classes, illness, and culture. Uh, there are no English classes. There's no, there's no like, way of reverse no engineering this, this one. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, great. I think at one point it turned it into uh, something about like gardening tools. There are no English gardening <laughs> tools or something, and that became classes, illness, and culture. Huh. Um, on a Majesty's Secret Service? No. No, this one was the man with the golden gun. At some point, oh. golden gun turned into, like, a gardening tool. <laughs> okay. I like Russia. From Russia with love, from Russia with love. <laughs> it's from Russia with love. Oh, Alan's winning here, Calvin. You need to uh, put it together. Mm. The Doctor, however. Doctor, no! Doctor, no! <laughs> oh, that's Alan again! <laughs> what? No, that was me! <laughs> That was definitely me. I definitely said it before you. <laughs> no, 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 you didn't. I mean, I you maybe you're on a bit of a delay here, Calvin. I don't know. <laughs> Hira Stewick. Hira Stewick. What? <laughs> Hira Stewick. Didn't you say you'd converted them back to English? <laughs> well, I don't think there's an English translation Hira. for this one, so it came back as H-I-R-A-S-T-I-W-E-K. Hira Stewick. Octopussy. Octopussy. No. No. no, it's Diamonds Are Forever. Souls. What? Uh, oh. Right, Calvin, ready? I'll give you an easy one. You ready? Okay. His right. Secret Service. On a Majesty's Secret, Secret Service. service. Oh, I'll give it to you, Calvin, but I think Alan was slightly <laughs> ahead of you, actually. No, he wasn't. He actually wasn't. <laughs> okay. This month. Tomorrow Never Dies. No. You can the sort of enough. reverse engineer this one. Moonraker. Moonraker. Ultra-chop. Moon month, something yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. You. <laughs> for your eyes only. It is for your eyes only. Yes! <laughs> okay. Finally found a Bond quiz I'm not good at. <laughs> <laughs> One day it was getting mad. Tomorrow never dies. No. <laughs> One day. Die another day. It was die another day. Yes. Oh. Okay. How convenient is it? <laughs> quantum of Solace? It is Quantum of Solace. <laughs> oh, no way! <laughs> uh, yeah, okay. okay. Remember me! <laughs> <laughs> Terrible film starring Robert Pattinson and uh, Pierce Brosnan, actually. Oh, so yeah, this connection. Yeah. yeah. Octopussy. This is just a weird one. No. No, you only uh, live twice. It's a view to a kill, that one, weirdly. Oh. Hmm. Hello, comma, suggestion. <laughs> <laughs> From Russia with love. <laughs> no. 
Thunderball? No, it's the spy who loved me, weirdly enough. Oh. Okay. Hmm. Project Austria. <laughs> Spectre? Octopussy. It is Octopussy. Oh, yeah. Alan, you are, you've got like nearly twice Calvin's points. <laughs> unfairly, unfairly. It's the slowdown between the microphones, you see. At dusk. The Living Daylights? No. Tomorrow Never Dies? Something no, it's daylight. Thunderball. Oh. Okay. Mm. I've got three versions of this one. This okay. came out three different ways. Daisies Alive. <laughs> the Flowers See. And look at the flowers. Definitely some flowers. flowers. Octopussy? No. Tomorrow never dies. No. No, it's um, it's the living daylights. At some point, daylights oh. came back as like daisies or something. Oh, so. Interesting. Hmm. Dahlia, maybe. Mm-hmm. Limitation what? of access. <laughs> Doctor No. No. See where you're coming from with that, though. Tomorrow never dies. No, that one's licensed to kill. Um, Shade. Uh, oh, the li- living, no, living daylight. Spectre. It is Spectre. Hooray! Ooh. All right. Okay. King of the casino. Casino Royale. Yes. <laughs> I should have got that one. <laughs> <laughs> All right, last one. The world is not good. The world is not <laughs> enough. Ah, <laughs> oh, that's definitely Alan. Yes, yes. Alan, you got ten points there. Calvin only got seven, so double O seven. Some <laughs> some bond expert there. <laughs> All right. Oh dear. Well, should we uh, pitch our JW Pepper spin-off ideas? Which is basically, what we all want to do, I'm sure. It's what I want to do. Yeah, I, I've. I mean, that is. I want. I want a JW Pepper Bond buddy cop movie, but. I also want to do something with uh, Baron Semedy on the train at the end, laughing maniacally. So I'm not sure if we can mix the two together somehow. Well, I like I like the idea Bond... that he's tricked Bond and Bond's on a train to hell. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Bond's on a train to the afterlife. Yeah, and he comes face to face with all the villains that he's defeated. You you pitched this for our Tim Burton episode, though. Oh, did I? Oh, god, I did. Oh, that's why I liked that idea. So much. <laughs> All right, so let's avoid that and just do J.W. Well, Pepper. Think, yeah, you, you got J.W. Pepper and Bond have to team up because they're fighting Baron Samdi, who's moved to Louisiana. <laughs> uh, or, or, you know, he's moved to New Orleans to start a new cult or whatever. Hmm. Uh, and they have to team up to stop him. Has J.W. Pepper been brought into MI6 now, or is he perhaps... No, you, uh... know, you know when he has to team up with the locals sometimes? Hmm. Maybe, maybe MI6 team him up with a local agent, but... Like he gets there, like the Shags office is closed. They've like they've not got the messages. They've gone on holiday for two weeks or something. <laughs> and, like down, down the uh, down the ladder, he ends up with J W Pepper as like the next highest ranking official in the town because it's only a little town. <laughs> mm. Are we doing this as like Roger Moore in the seventies? I'd like the idea of doing it now with <laughs> Daniel <laughs> Craig and just this actor. Like, yeah. But old. Let's bring back... Yeah, I think he's still alive. <laughs> no, he died this year. Oh, he did, no, he didn't died. he? Yeah, he did die this year. Uh, yeah. Last year. Yeah. Well, I think we should get Barry Pepper to play. <laughs> <laughs> I think we should get Gary Chalk. <laughs> Perfect. Or John Goodman. Mm. Thomas F. Wilson. Oh, I like John Goodman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
I'd just like to see what like a modern interpretation of that character would be for, like for the Daniel Craig era. Actually, uh, not John Goodman. Let's get Jeff Bridges. <laughs> yeah, that is the modern uh, equivalent, isn't it? Jeff Bridges. Yeah. Yeah. What was that film that was Oscar nominated a couple of years ago, and I forgot about it? But Jeff Dan uh, Jeff Daniels <laughs> Jeff Bridges was uh, like the sheriff or whatever. Crazy. Oh, um, really? Hello High Water. Oh yeah, yeah. Water, yeah, 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 like that kind of character where he's like, he's a that southern, work. he's a southern sheriff who's not allowed to be racist anymore, but yeah, you know they've still got that kind of old fashioned style. Um, yeah, I think we need to but, recast Bond for this to really work properly, though. Well, I was, Could I was you? saying you have to go a bit darker with it with if with that kind of character. But have you seen, have you seen R.I.P.D.? No, but uh, <laughs> I'm aware of it. In which Jeff. Bridges essentially plays that kind of character, more yeah. of a Western kind of character. Well, he's the Tommy Lee Jones against yeah, exactly, yeah. Um, whoever is mm. his Will Smith. So he, he can he can camp it up a bit and do it a bit more comedically, old Jeff Bridges. He's uh, very versatile. Yeah, I mean, we've seen Tron Legacy and the big Lebowski and stuff. Well, do we have to involve Bond in this? Can we just yeah, do yeah. I think I think it's got to be a, a true, it's got to be a true buddy cop movie. But like I say, I think you've got to recast Bond to make this work. It's, it's got to be like a Tom Hiddleston, like a really prim, proper, hello, <laughs> like James Bond. Yeah, so he can yeah be like going, really going like... back to like a, yeah, like a Pierce Brosnan kind of Bond almost, like where he's like, he can do the bits in a suit, but yeah. not very good at the action. Mm. Not, like Daniel Craig's a, like, I'll have a pint and then smash it in your face kind of Bond. That's it, Daniel Craig <laughs> could get along with him too much, but we need him to be like properly <laughs> mismatched. Yeah, like yeah, proper like educated at Eton and then uh, Oxbridge University, wherever that is, <laughs> uh, and straight into MI six. What about um, Michael Sheen as Bond? <laughs> 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 yes, <laughs> you on board with this, Calvin? I am actually. Yeah, no, I think Michael Sheen as Bond would be a. How old's Michael Sheen now? Let's have a quick look him up. Oh no, he's he's forty nine. That's all right. Okay, so Daniel yeah, Craig's older than him. Just about so. get away with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, if you wanted to jettison Bond altogether, maybe we could just do like Turner and Hooch with J W Pepper. <laughs> 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 to no, I like this Michael Sheen. Yeah, that's I'd good. be fine just having a complete spin off with J W. Maybe not even need to bring back Bond. Yeah. What what's his plot then? What happens to him? It's just the the local, uh, what is it like a drug bust or a, a a murder that he's investigating? What's he what's he up to? I think like a black Russian family move in, <laughs> and uh, they move in next door to him and his wife, who we will see in the next installment of the Bond <laughs> films. So we have that to look forward to. Yeah, black Russians move in next door, and uh, they each learn a bit about each other. Over the course of the uh, the this uh, this is turning into a nineteen seventies sitcom. <laughs> it's my favorite thing to pitch. <laughs> What's his wife's name? Maybell. Mabel Pepper. <gasps> May Bell Pepper. <laughs> Bell Pepper. <laughs> yeah, all the character names are like sp- sp- spoofs, uh, not spoofs, puns on uh, chili pepper peppers. <laughs> chili. No, I'm I'm nice and warm, thank you. <laughs> uh, salt and pepper. Is that his cousin who's a sultan who comes to stay? <laughs> a salt on pepper. 
Oh, that's brilliant. That's, uh, that's, that's the title. Whatever this is. Is it a series? Is it a movie? What, what are we making here? Salt and Pepper. Assault on Pepper. <laughs> Salt. Is that the name Salt. of the film? Assault on Pepper. <laughs> it's like a home invade like it's the the black russians are gonna like rush the police station so it becomes like a kind of uh <laughs> straw dogs home alone kind of like siege movie they've got to defend the house straw dogs uh, slash home alone assault you know those two films that are really similar <laughs> assault on precinct 13 the john carpenter film that's that's what that is oh, okay <laughs> that's what i thought you were referencing no i've never seen it oh well, it's a good name. Well, there it, we go. Obviously, we went to the same place with assault on, yeah, <laughs> assault on Pepper. Uh, That's brilliant. So Sheriff Pepper is defending his local workplace from black Russians, <laughs> or are the black Russians inside the. Uh, what do the black Russians want to spread their communist communist uh, propaganda throughout the South of America, where the people are more susceptible and may actually buy into it? <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Yeah. 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 Communism is very popular in the South of America. It could be. <laughs> is Baron Samdi Russian? I think the black Russians are working with him. Yeah, yeah he's the yeah. local hookup. Yeah. And all, all that manifests as is like him sort of dancing around in a scene or two. <laughs> but. <laughs> so who plays the black Russians? Uh, Samuel Jackson. Yeah, so it's a modern film. Samuel Jackson would be yeah doing like a really campy Russian accent. He'd be well up for that. <laughs> yep, yep. Um, who else? Don Cheadle. Can... <laughs> All right, we just could... you're just going to name black actors now. It's going to sound really. <laughs> no, 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 no. I picked those two specifically. Why? Why? Like Samuel Jackson seems like he'd be up for it, just being like silly. But why Don Cheadle? Don Cheadle is just a random choice. I, I think him and uh, Samuel L. Jackson would make a good pair. <laughs> well, we'll we'll see in the uh, upcoming Avengers: Infinity War. <laughs> yeah, do you know who's more likely to do it than uh, Don Cheadle? Keenan Orkel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, that's not what I was going to say. Let's get no. Keenan in. Oh, okay. <laughs> Keenan's the bumbling like. Sidekick, though, definitely not the main one. Mm. I was going to say Terence Howard, but... <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 we, we want to set this up for a franchise and he might not come back for the sequel if he doesn't... Uh, yeah, that's when you get, get Don Cheadle in. Get, he, <laughs> he doesn't have equal billing with Sheriff J.W. Pepper, then <laughs> he won't come back. Uh, who, who's good at voices? Who's good at accents? Like one of the Wyans brothers? Gary Chalk. Keith David, he's very Ooh, good. Oh, I love voices. Keith David. He's brilliant, isn't he? I yeah. <laughs> Is he good at voices though? Oh yeah, yeah. I've only ever heard him do his his Keith David voice. Yeah, but he's mm. very good at it. He's very cheap. <laughs> but do you think he could do a Russian Keith David? Um, yeah. Can we get Eddie Murphy in? He does voices. <laughs> oh, Eddie Murphy, <laughs> of course. Eddie Murphy, Martin Lawrence. <laughs> 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 Russians are just Eddie Murphy, Martin Lawrence. Um, oh God, what's he called? My favourite. Oh fuck, what's his name from Thirty Rock? Oh, Tracy Morgan. Tracy Morgan. <laughs> yes, of course. <laughs> you want a character actor? You go with Tracy Morgan. Tim Meadows should be like the big bad. The other guys go ahead in fat suits to like threaten people <laughs> and stuff. 
But then Tim Meadows is just a little guy who just turns up, like, you know, walks out at the end. I think this is yeah. going to be brilliant. And who else is in the police station? We need we need J.W. Pepper to have some allies. That's Sam Rockwell. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah. You know who might yeah. who might be a good uh, J.W. Pepper? Who? Nick Offerman. Ooh! <laughs> yeah. From Parks and Rec. Yeah. yeah, he'd be really good, actually. If we're trying to bring a bit more humanity to the role so he can lead it. Which I think we'll need. Yeah. And we mm. seem to have gone down a more comedic pathway. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Who who else is in the station though? Sam Rockwell. Um, we need we need. Uh, what's the woman from Fargo? Frances McDormand. McDormand. Oh, no, not her. That'll be too obvious. Uh... <laughs> John Travolta. Who's the one from Fargo, the TV series? <laughs> I don't know. We need one of these tough women police. A tough a tough woman police. I'm thinking of Alison Tolman. I think. Never heard of her. You'll have seen her and stuff. Mm. She was in that film, The Gift, that you like, even though it's dreadful. Oh, with, uh, what's his, Edgerton? Joel Edgerton? Is Edgerton? Uh, maybe. Edgerton. Jason Bateman. Oh, can Jason oh, yes, Bateman yes, be, yes. like, a sarky young cop in the police station, but he's, like, too old to be that role, so it's a bit tragic. <laughs> well, we can have a couple of uh, comedy relief, like, criminals that are locked up in the police Oh, yeah, Steve yeah, Buscemi. Yeah, yeah. Relatively minor offences. Steve Buscemi's playing one of them, and he's doing it as the <laughs> character he plays in all those Adam Sandler films. Yeah, and the other one's uh, Rob Schneider. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he, he just, Brilliant. at one point he just shouts, You can do it! <laughs> you can do it, J.W. Pepper! <laughs> this film's going to be brilliant. They've been... Busted for possession of jazz pipes. Smoking. Oh man, no! Can we just get Cheech and Chong back, like <laughs> reprising their roles in a cell? <laughs> Every now and then, J.W. Pepper goes and like rattles the bars. <laughs> I think they'd really fit in a J.W. Pepper scenario. <laughs> you know what? Yes. They really would. they'd really yes, fit into a would. Bond film. Just, just um, for like, let's not go nuts. For like, they yeah. they would. For one, like James Bond goes smashing down the street on a hover gondola, and then you just see like Cheech and Chong <laughs> like looking at it and going like, "Whoa, man! What was that, yeah, man?" They're like street, they're, they're street musicians in in New Orleans. Yeah, you know, you know how like Jay and Silent Bob are just inexplicably in Scream Three. That's kind of what I'm thinking of. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. I think that's the best collective pitch we've ever. <laughs> Salt and pepper. Salt and pepper is one. Of, it sounds like one of those novelty crisp uh, names. <laughs> so can we get Gary Lee? <laughs> <laughs> sort of sponsorship product placement deal. <laughs>